Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of What the Tech Am I Doing? Today we have pediatric interventional cardiologist Dan Levy, um, who practices at Mattel Children's Hospital at UCLA. You've been practicing for about 19 years now. That's, that's right, Dolly. Yeah. So what's the typical age range of your patients? Well, so I'm a pediatric interventional cardiologist, as you said, thank you. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, but I do adults as well, so I'm board certified in pediatric cardiology and adult congenital cardiology. Um, so most of what I do is in you know pediatric patients and a lot of babies, but we also do adults as well, adults that have congenital heart disease, heart disease they were born with. What's the split percentage-wise? You know, it's different for everybody. Okay, so for me, it's primarily pediatrics, but... I assist my adult congenital mm. colleague, Dr. Abel Holson, in a lot of the adult cases. So, you know, probably 30% for me out of the pediatric age range. Okay, that's fair. And then what's the scope of issues you treat? So you said congenital pre-existing and then for the pediatric space. So, um, yeah, it's all congenital heart disease. So, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're just glorified, glorified plumbers. And what we're talking, the reason we, I wanted to be on what the tech are you doing <laughs> is because we're only as good as our tools. So we Sorry. need tools and the tools we, you know, basically what we do is, you know, simply put, we will close holes in the heart. So there's all sorts of holes kids are born with. We'll close the holes. We'll open up vessels and to open up vessels. We need balloons and stents. Um, we'll do interventions to, so basically opening and closing things, yeah. you know, just like a regular plumber. <laughs> but, um, you know, also, as you know, working working at Edwards, yeah. I don't know if your audience knew that or not, no. but <laughs> we put in heart valves. So, yeah. you know, we'll put in heart valves, we'll, you know, do lymphatic interventions, we do things on preemie babies, close their PDAs. So, it's a, um, so we're essentially the plumber and whatever we can't do, the surgeons do. So the better tools we have, the less open heart surgery these kids True. need to have. Much quicker recovery, especially when they're young. I mean, you don't necessarily, it's a yeah. whole nother game. I mean, the, there is some, I mean, the kids with open heart surgery actually bounce back quicker than you'd think. Um, um, and, you know, the, the, only, the only, it's just hard doing heart surgery on such small anatomy sometimes. That's fair. Okay, so you, which I never realized until I got into the medical device industry, how much we partner with clinicians, but you're someone who does partner with industry a lot, so why do you do that? I know your space is especially in pediatrics very different. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it, that's true. So, I mean, look, the all doctors want to make new tools, you know, <laughs> and, you know, industry wants to make new tools sure. as well. And um, mutually beneficial. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and, 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 but people have put up barriers in between us. People have put up, you know, really you know, are worried that if doctors work too closely with industry, yeah. then we're going to be biased. Yeah. If I, you know, you work at Edwards. If I do too much consulting for Edwards, then maybe I'll be biased and I'll use Edwards products, you know, which may, may or may not be the best products, yeah. but, you know, maybe I'll be biased to use those instead of somebody else's products, which we have to avoid. So there are these barriers, but at the end of the day, we need new tools. Yeah. We know what we need. And we know how they should be designed. We know the specifications. True. But, you know, most of the time we can't design them. And, yeah. <laughs> and industry is the expert in that. Yeah. So um, it's every doctor's dream to help bring new tools to market, help design new tools. And, um, 
And it's it's crazy for industry not to want to work with doctors. I mean, we're your end market, yeah. we know, but so often there's a disconnect there, mm-hmm. you know, and there's there's there and and a lot of it's because of the barriers that we we've put up yeah. to make sure that there's no bias when we treat patients. But um you know, it's been probably the most important and impactful part of my career is things I've done working with industries, you know, bringing products to market that help not just the children in my lab, but children around the country. Yeah, 100%. Because I think, so I used to work in a different business unit within Edwards, which was our critical care devices. And there, a lot of the times they would look at what they were doing and then try and explain to the doctors like, oh, this is what you're missing, which is interesting because now working with uh, this group, it's complete. There's still some of that, I'm sure. But on the other side, it's like, okay, you guys are going and and sometimes even like, please, can you find something to help me treat this? And um, talking to Hannah, she was explaining how a lot of the time, depending on the stage, you might have those biases, but she was like, not in, in pediatrics. They just want whatever can help treat their patients the best. They're like, they don't there's not really the alliances. It's like, who can give me the best tool so I can treat my patients the best? Yeah, in pediatric, in pediatric, so there's a couple of different points there that I think you're making. And in pediatric cardiology, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a little bit uh, different than, than in other fields because we really lack tools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Altera, that's made by your company, Edwards, is mm-hmm. a great example. We, we really needed that. And, you know... Uh, the, the uh, Edwards employee named Alex Fromovich will, will be the first one to tell you that we went out to lunch with him and we drew Altera literally <laughs> on a napkin at one of the cafes at UCLA no and um, I don't know if that's how the Altera product started he, <laughs> Alex says it is and you know but you know I think in the PD you know not just Edwards but yeah. all the companies that we work with are very good at listening to us and learning not only just what our needs are but you know what would be the best way to attack those needs yeah. and give us the give us the devices we need it is different so the, the what's different about pediatrics why don't yeah. we have these tools do you know why we don't why 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 am i lacking all these tools until recently yeah. why do you know why i this was also a shock to me i feel like i just always assumed it was kind of if there was a gap in the market people would fill it but i didn't realize that it's kind of okay adults larger population to my understanding that you can send it so therefore more money money, and then on the other hand i didn't realize how much that you and this is my understanding that the doctors put on the line trying to find the best tools and sometimes you have to even use off-label and run your own studies and do all these things yeah so and pedi- we don't do all the testing necessarily. In that's the right. Device. So, so in pediatric cardiology, for years we use off-label stuff. The stents that we use for all these children are not even approved for vascular stenting. They're approved for tracheal and biliary stenting mm-hmm. in adults. It's crazy how off-label it is. So we've been MacGyvering stuff and using <laughs> it off-label because we're such a small market that mm, you know, if you it. needed a new coronary stent, somebody would make it in a yeah. that's a billion-dollar market. You know. It's been hard for companies to even be profitable mm. in the pediatric market because it costs so much money to bring these products to market. Yeah. And, you know, I credit the FDA a lot with recognizing that and working with companies like Edwards, like Medtronic, mm-hmm. like Abbott, um, to really help 
them in a cost-effective way, run smaller trials and bring us these um, products, you know, but still make sure they're safe. Yeah. So, you know, that's what's changed. So now the FDA is really working with companies because they recognize that we're using stuff off-label. They don't want us using yeah. stuff off-label. They really don't. Yeah. So they want on-label stuff and they want to get us the tools that we need. And, uh, and again, it's not only the FDA that's done it. You know, recently, it's the NIH has issued a lot of uh, contract requests, basically paying people to develop the tools that we need. Yeah. And so it's been a really fun time to be in this niche, I think, both on my side and on the um, and on the company's side, mm-hmm. because we're finally filling those gaps that previously weren't filled because of mm-hmm. the low market size and lack of financial yeah. gain. For the companies, do you think the turning point? Because you, you've mentioned, and I, I mean, I haven't been in this space for very long, but I've seen even from last year to this year how much more, at least, our company has put in. Is that do you think from the doctors? Is it from the regulatory bodies partner? Is it just like all around? Like, what's changing the game, and what will continue to change the game? I think it's it's been just a lot of recognition. The FDA gets some credit, but <laughs> companies get a lot of credit too because they've recognized that there's a okay. need here. They know they can help children. They really do. The people, even at these big companies that are for-profit companies, have recognized that they can have their cake and eat it too. Okay. They can help children and hopefully at least break even, if not yeah. make some money. Um, so I, I think it's just that recognition. But what still is difficult is... The doctors got to find the engineers and the people mm-hmm. in industry, and the people in industry have to find the right doctors. True. Um, so, you know, you, Edwards has already identified all the, you know, or a lot of the really key players in, for instance, pediatric interventional cardiology. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of uh, companies out there that need that, you know, would really benefit from the expertise of physicians. Yeah. And a lot of physicians that want to give their expertise, and it's just a matter of finding each other. So, you know, I don't know, maybe you should start sort of a... Connection. A dating site. <laughs> yeah, right. A doctor's dating site. Yeah, it site. could be like a J-date yeah. for... Uh, yeah. Or, uh, uh, Bumble or Tinder. I don't right? know what, what you guys do these days. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I mean, the amount in companies are like, oh, if only we had a doctor we can talk to, and the amount of doctors that are like, if only a company would listen to me. That's right, you know? and, and they're both out there. And when we find it a lot, even at UCLA, where we have all these engineers doing crazy stuff, yeah. and they think the doctors would want it, yes. but they don't just walk over and talk to us. And when yeah. they talk to us, we go, no, dude, we don't want that. Do this, <laughs> you know? So um, even at a place like UCLA, where we have an engineering, my engineering lab is, you know, 300 yards away from the hospital Uh, people still aren't communicating well so it's a really important it's a really important subject and Mm. you know um i think the you know it's happening more and more but you know we probably still do need that dating site for engineers doctors industry members you know yeah how did you get involved or how do what i don't even know the commonplace like how do these connections even happen other than I'm sure, like... You, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I think we... A lot of times it's just fortuitous. For I mean, for us, we started using the Edwards Sapien 3 valve, off, mm. which is intended, obviously, for the aortic position, for the pulmonary position. And 
as soon as it got in our shelf, I, we, we looked at each other and we go, oh, yeah, we're putting that thing in the pulmonary position. Even, and it was off-label, right? So Wait, how do you decide that? Like, how, like, because I feel like that's a little, that's, it isn't within, but I feel like that's where you guys almost realm in, like, the engineering, yeah. creativity, design space. Like, how do you see something you're like, you know what, actually, I think that could work. Well, because we had the Melody valve, which was a transcatheter pulmonary heart valve, but it could only treat up to patients with, with certain diameters. And then the Sapien yeah, came along, which is also a transcatheter heart valve. Serious. And it could treat patients with larger diameters, we could say Got RVFTs, it. pulmonary valves, basically, right ventricular outflow tracts. So we said, well, you know, the only other option this patient has is surgery. And you really have to talk to your colleagues, yeah. you know. Um, Potentially, you should have a committee that reviews this and says, mm -hmm. okay, you're going to do this off-label thing. Okay. We, we understand right. why. We think it's safe. Let's do it. You have to have full disclosure with the family, and then you go ahead and try it. And, and so it wasn't just UCLA, but a lot of people yeah. started doing this. And Edward said, hold on. So you're using our valve for all these <laughs> cases? And then the sales reps, and we got to know the people at Edwards, um, and eventually we started talking with the, with the engineers and the team. And... Um, you know, it just kind of happened for us. Yeah. Um, and I th so, so that's how it happened at Edwards. You know, other companies, small companies, will reach out. You know, there's a, I don't know if you heard the presentation by Starlight. They're a tiny little mm, company that yeah. wants to make a new stent for us to stent premium PDAs. They were just super aggressive about cold call. They just cold called me, you oh. know, and so now I'm working with them. And, really? You know, so, cool. uh, so it is happening. So you are but, responsive if people reach out it's just they need to find the right fits and the right people yeah not all of us are responsive that's fair but uh, <laughs> like, i well, think most of us me. are pretty responsive all right that's fair you know okay i have two final questions one what is your favorite part of your job other than you can't i mean saving lives i feel like just trumps everything other than the saving lives part what's the favorite part of your job I feel like that's a go-to answer. Favorite you know? part of my job is going home and seeing my kids, like Aww. one, two, and three, <laughs> <laughs> with maybe a glass of wine. No. Uh, <laughs> so, but but uh, you know, again, I think the yeah yeah treating patients is great, but you know, coming up with new ideas and building new things and creating things is very satisfying, yeah. and Just, we don't do it a lot, yeah. you know, but. That's what makes, I think, my job fun is that we get to treat patients, but we also get to um, try to innovate, you know, what little innovation I do, um, and make new things, and that's super fun. Whether it's making new things and, and doing them off-label in a patient <laughs> or making new things and trying to bring them to market yeah. for kids. So this is a really fun aspect of our yeah. job. I mean, it's a different ball. It's work game. for you, but for us, yeah. it's great. No, I mean, I love it. So, I mean, I will. You have to say that. We're on air now. No, but know? I do actually. I, everyone's like, oh, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? I'm like, I don't know. I think I just keep doing what I'm doing. Like, yeah, well, that's you know? the real question, right? If, you were, yeah. if you're super rich, would you still keep doing what you're doing? And, um, you know, I hope so. Yeah, I was like, I think I probably I would. wouldn't work quite as hard. I think I was like, maybe yeah. I'd be like part time advising more, but. Yeah. Um, Okay, so any... I wouldn't drive a Prius. I'd no, drive, yeah, drive yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd roll yeah. around. I'd be a little more luxurious, but I'd maybe still do the same thing. Okay, last, at the end of each episode, I always ask, like to ask, do you have any last piece of advice you want to leave the audience with? It doesn't have to be work. It could be life. It could be anything. Uh, well, I mean, from for, uh, along this topic is just, you know, people do reach out. I, 
one of my big collaborators were doing a fun project uh, together and it's this uh, uh, Chinese engineer who kind of cold called me and I almost didn't call him back. <laughs> but, um, and I called him back and thank God I did. And really? I, I, I said, well, let's do a Zoom meeting. And I was like, gosh, this is painful. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's awesome. Really? You know, so just, you know, being open-minded um, open to, yeah. to, to, to these potential new relationships. Yeah. And um, uh, I mean, it wasn't like a spam caller or something. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, the piece of advice, I mean, life's short. You just got to make sure you're doing what you love. That's it. Yeah, you know, that's fair. You want, do you want some love advice? Is that you can do whatever? It's an open platform because I always ask the questions, so it's like the I little... think I'll stop there. All right, see y'all. <laughs> I right, thank you guys very much for listening to What the Tech. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. What this the a tech, fun baby? Yeah. Technical.